Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. Every year, the trade publication Drinks International publishes a list of the most popular cocktails around the world. The methodology admittedly isn't ideal, but it's definitely the best resource we have in the industry for knowing which cocktails have been trending over the last year. Now, the vodka soda, the topic of today's episode, doesn't appear on that list, which might be because this simple highball enjoys most of its popularity here in the US, which we'll explore later today, or because it simply isn't considered to be a bona fide cocktail. If that's the case, you might be thinking, what are we doing covering it here then? But if you've listened to our episodes on the Whiskey Highball and Cuba Libre, you'll know full well that even the simplest creations can inspire some riveting conversations. And I like to think that's also the case today, thanks in large part to our wonderful guest, Ignacio Nacho Jimenez. A beloved fixture of New York's bar scene, Nacho's been in the hospitality biz for well over 20 years, with notable tenures at The Daily, Saxon and Parole, and Ghost Donkey. He is now the co-owner of the newly opened East Village cocktail bar Super Bueno, where he just happens to have a very playful little vodka soda, or vodka y soda, I should say, on the menu. So let's do it. Let's spend the next hour talking about two ingredients that ostensibly have no flavor. <laughs> You know that's not going to be the case, listener. Not right here on the Cocktail College podcast. Quitamos <laughs> in the studio, Ignacio Nacho Jimenez. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tim. It's such an honor and, you know, it's always a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk about what I love. Yeah, and and what you do very well. I'm going to say that too here off the bat because <laughs> um, you know, let's let's let, let's address the elephant in the room right now. Super bueno opened well, it's just over a just over a month old at this point. Yeah, a month and two weeks, I think. And already is the bar that everyone wants to be in New York City right now. Everyone wants to go there. People are there. Our friend David here, he's there all the time. I see him there every single night on yeah. his Instagram. That's a good PR. You know? <laughs> exactly. He's making sure, you know, everything is going to, <laughs> Doing the hard to plan. Work. But I want to say congratulations on that because it's a spectacular space. Thank you. And we're going to chat about one of the drinks on your menu today. Uh, but we're not going to get into that straight away. Amazing. <laughs> this is the vodka soda episode. And we've avoided this cocktail <laughs> for a while now because I've always thought, how are we going to do anything that's more than a couple of minutes on this? Yeah. Then luckily, I stumbled across uh, the, your, your wonderful version of it. But before we get into that, let's talk about that classic drink. Yep. So you've been in the U.S. now for over 20 years. Yes. Arrived in 2000 to Dallas. And then I lived there for like around nine months mm -hmm. and then moved to New York City in 2001, April. And always working in bars while you've been over here? 99% uh, of the time, mm -hmm. you know, I started being a, a, an artist assistant, you know, by someone whose father was a really renowned artist. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Holton Rauer and his grandfather was Alexander Calder. Mm -hmm. So one of the most prominent American artists uh, in the last century. 
Yeah, but then after that, I soon realized I wasn't going to make enough money there to yeah. survive in New York. <laughs> and then moved to restaurants, yeah. you know, start working in the Upper West Side in 74th in Amsterdam in a place called Gabriela's, which was a Mexican Mexican restaurant. Nice. And what's been your, your, your bar experience of this drink, the vodka soda? Because for me, I've not been in the States quite as long, but... For me, the vodka sort of feels like a very American drink. Like, I don't come across a lot of people or didn't come across a lot of people drinking it in the UK. I guess we tend towards gin instead. That's right. And I imagine in Mexico, it might be more, you know, if someone's looking for something that kind of refreshing, they might go down the, the Paloma route or something similar or tequila soda. So is this, in your experience, yeah, is this a kind of uniquely American concoction? And what's been your experience serving them over the years? Well, I, I do think that it's demographically, right? Like you just mentioned, you know, having the experience coming from the UK to getting gin, maybe gin and tonic is the most popular drink, you know, and I'm, you know, you mentioned Mexico, but in Mexico, we actually drink a lot of rum. Oh, I just had my cousins visiting uh, from Mexico and after first night at Super Bueno, the second, they tried the cocktails and the second night they just couldn't help themselves but to drink rum and and Coke. Mm. We call them pintados, right? Pintados. So it's, uh, rum, Coke, and a splash of soda. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, but when I came here to America, you know, uh, I think it's demographically and also a different time. This is 20, 23 years ago. Yeah. So vodka definitely was the up-and-coming trend, you know. The Cosmopolitan had just happened to be yeah. promoted by Sex in the City and you know, maybe even the French Martini, which is like a reminiscent of the late 90s. And then, you know, you have this kind of trend of how to go lean and vodka was that kind of, you know, marketed wise uh, that way. So you, I mean, I remember serving a lot of vodka sodas, you know, and that's the drink that, you know, most commonly was up until like maybe I would say to the 2010s, 13s, when that started changing a little bit. We see a lot of more whiskey drinkers, you know, and I guess, you know, the... uh, 2007, 2008, you know, six, you know, all of that new up and coming cocktail culture is becoming more and more apparent in cities like New York. So that changes as well the the way that people see certain spirits. You know, you have a lot more to play with uh, rum and and particularly with whiskey. You know, the old fashioned is coming up and, you know, it's a big contender and pusher yeah. of of the a different kind of drinking and style of drinking, you know, mm-hmm. um, Manhattans and, you know, Sasseracs, you name it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think on that uh, at that time, we started to see more like of an even kind of trend, you know. Mm-hmm. And up until recently where, you know, you still see them cold, but now we're on these like agave kind of renaissance right. that it has, everyone has been talking about for the past, like maybe eight years, you know? It's it's wild. And it's every year, you know, it's a new kind of record and more people drink agave and more drink. Now there's mezcal and more mezcal is becoming available. And then there's, you know, all these other spirits that are coming from kind of the same family, you mm-hmm. know, the raicillas and whatnot. Uh, so that also changes, you know, the way that people now are drinking vodka salt, but people are yeah. also drinking a lot of tequilas and sodas. Yeah. You know? And it's it's interesting too. I, I I have to assume that to your point there, yeah, like I think vodka soda probably initially becomes popularized by vodka becoming trendy, people turning away from aged spirits back in probably the eighties. Um, you know, people vodka's cool. Uh and then it's also just this 
I don't know. To me, I, I don't want to. I never want to judge people for what they're drinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever you enjoy, great. But it does seem a little bit like all you're doing is really just trying to get drunk with as few calories as possible. Like it's just, I don't know, an alcohol delivery vehicle. It's yeah. not really a drink, right? Like <laughs> people aren't going there for flavor. If you're getting it, well, it's coming from like a lemon or a lime garnish. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. Is it people just on a mission or people want to feel a little bit tipsy, but without the calories? I don't know. Like, is there anything more to the vodka soda than that? I mean, I think it's, it's you know, at some point of my life, I just realized that it has its place in time, you know, like almost any other beverage. You know, yeah. the beauty of this culture that we live in is that we're more exposed to diversity, right? And even though it could be perceived as the most simplest, like mm -hmm. not have a lot of depth in terms of, you know, um, flavors, you know, it still offers something unique to mm -hmm. a different palate, you know. And for me, it was, I realized that sometimes I didn't want to drink you know, I didn't want to have the feel of, you know, of, you know, an aged bourbon or anything. It was just something clean, refreshing mm -hmm. that I could drink, you know, socially. Mm -hmm. And then I found the purpose of having my vodka sodas every once, <laughs> every three, <laughs> three months, yeah. you know, when I was. I feel like it's the classic kind of wedding drink in a way as well, where it's like sessionable. You're not really thinking about it. It's just light. If you spill it on yourself, it's, yeah. not, it's there not you making go. There we go. You know, you're not staining something. I don't know if that's a consideration yeah. at your wedding. But um, have you found over the years that like vodka soda drinkers, are they calling out brands by name? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's probably where you begin to see more brand recognition. No? Mm -hmm. So just starting to, you know, have your preference vodka and they are like, I'll say pretty diehard uh, uh, die fans, you know, yeah. if you like your Grey Goose and all that, or yeah. I don't know, if I can, you know, any other brand, Tito's, one, Tito's, Tito's, yeah, there we go. When that mm -hmm. came into a market and you almost seem to be serving anything else, but Tito's was like, wow, no, <laughs> you know, how, how dare you serve me something else? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's that classic joke out there as well, where it's like, or, or I think it's a meme of like people and you know they're overserved when they start ordering a vodka and Tito's when they, you know, yeah. like they mean a Tito's and soda or a vodka and soda, right? Um, yeah. Let's talk about Tito's for a minute though. I'd love to I'd love to get your take on, on that and that brand's rise because I don't know any other episode where we might get to go on a Tito's deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what that brand has done is something quite phenomenal where it is does have this really like loyal following people who love tito's are diehard tito's fans right yeah absolutely i mean i don't know how it started but all of a sudden we see these out of nowhere brand that just start being called by you know people that felt very strongly about the flavor profile that that what that brand was featuring mm -hmm. um and it was particularly at a time i think it might have been like 2006 2007 i might be mistaken here but that's when i begin to see it on the bars yeah i remember working in downtown manhattan soho nolita to be exact elizabeth street so a very trendy neighborhood in a, at a very trendy kind of uh upscale modern bar called public and you know it was an unpretentious brand at a time where everything was pushing more for luxury, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have all these beautiful bottles, you know, that are like so marketing yep. forward, you know, you have the absolutes, you think about those things. Yeah. And then you see this brand that it has on, like the most unpretentious look. I mean, <laughs> graphically is, to be honest, horrible. It's so basic. <laughs> yeah, so basic. You know, no, 
But, you know, people are really following that brand, you know, and, and, and the messaging of the brand, you know, yeah. so. Handmade. Handmade, handcrafted. Handcrafted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they really feel strongly, you know, and it's a brand that it's able to position itself like within, you know, a few years, more than any other brand that I have probably witnessed, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think you fast forward to, I think by the beginning, I want to say 2020, was the year that TOs overtook Smirnoff as the best-selling spirit brand in the US. Wow. Which is phenomenal. Yes. Like in a relatively short space of time there, but just does speak to the popularity of that and probably the popularity of this drink that we're talking about today, right? Like yeah. I would assume that's how most people are drinking vodka, especially at home. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's also, you know, another kind of factor that adds to the popularity of the drink. You know, it's just, you you can easily replicate it anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're talking about, you know, um, things that you usually have in your pantry, you know, you just always have a spark. At least I always have a sparkling water at home. You know, yeah. So I can always put a little bit of vodka and a lemon and then there you go. There you go, you're done. <laughs> if we are going to dial it up though and, and, and go kind of craft on this cocktail <laughs> for a minute now, I'm going to ask for a few preferences from you yes. um, first. So, and I should just preface this also by saying, like I, I've said on this show a lot, I think there's very interesting vodka out there. You just need to look hard for it. And the, the, what's interesting about it is very subtle in terms of its flavor profile and stuff. Mm. And yeah. probably not for this drink. It's something you maybe want to drink neat. But um, do you have a preference yourself when it comes to vodka for for cocktails or for drinking uh, the base of this spirit, whether it be like potato or rye or grain or corn, like to you, it was like, do you personally have a preference? I mean, I usually use, uh, I'll, I'll tend to lean uh, towards grain, grain vodka, you mm -hmm. know, that's my, and um, sometimes, you know, I, I wouldn't mind using a little bit of potato for a little bit more of the um, consistency of it. Yeah. You know, but I tend to stay with like grain. Grain. Yeah. And... If again, if we are making the most elevated version of this cocktail, but it's true to its like natural form, mm. are you pulling that vodka for the freezer for this, or, or or what are you considering when it comes to just crafting a very good version of this drink? I mean, I'm thinking uh, of of the vodka y soda particularly for the just the classic vodka soda for now. Yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to pull it out for the freezer. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's such a like nice little touch that can add you know a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you do want that drink to be served as cold as possible. Yeah. You know, so putting your alcohol over ice, over, you know, if the alcohol hasn't been freezed, you know, adds to the dilution. Yeah. You know, so if you put it out for the freezer and then pouring it over ice, that also, you know, helps to keep the keep the temperature down to also get a little, a little bit less dilution from that ice, you know, mm -hmm. and to have a true expression of it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so definitely. Um. You want to talk about other beloved brands that have taken off, you know, and beginning in Texas too. Topo Chico, uh, <laughs> Bubbles here I want to chat about. Yeah. Are you looking for something that's like really aggressive on the carbonation front for a drink like this? Yeah, I'm somewhere that, that sits right on the middle, even though I carry Topo Chico behind my bar, you know, and that's the bubble that we're looking for, That those particular drinks that have bubbles. I am someone that sits on the, in, like, right in between, you know, with the fine bubble, you know, kind of fine. Yeah, I mean, that's a way of putting it. The mm -hmm. fine, fine, soft bubble, mm -hmm. you know, but that still has some crispness to it. That, to me, is like, you know, if I don't feel the little um, 
tingling sensation on my throat. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, okay, I'm missing something. I steer away from uh, from sodas, uh, particularly for this type of drinks, like San Pellegrino, yep. which feels a bit more flat, you know. I try to go into the, or even Perrier, you know, which doesn't, you know, mixed with, you know, um, with the ice, it just creates this dilution that you don't really feel the bubble. So I really prefer something that is a little bit more hard. Nice, nice. Um, lemon or lime? I'll say lime, but that's because I'm Mexican. <laughs> 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 you know, but like, yeah, I just grew up with limes and I just love the yeah. citric, you know. Nice. Anything else about the classic vodka soda that we want to talk about here or before we move on to a more interesting version of this drink? <laughs> no, I think I think we cover it all. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have the vodka y soda, which um, I personally, is this intentional? I love the fact that you have the vodka y soda. So it kind of shows like a, you know, it's a, it's a Mexican-American is is your your theme there at Super Bueno, right? Yes, 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 um, yes. So introducing the E there for, for, you know, to give that first hint that we're doing something different. Like, is that intentional there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, it's like you mentioned before, my bar, it's a Mexican-American cocktail bar. So, you know, definitely the intention is to give the first hint of, you know, we're doing E, so that feels a little, you know, different already. Mm -hmm. And then talk us through the ingredients. Yeah, I mean, for this one, you know, the thought of it was to create a refreshing highball that everyone wanted to drink. You know, my menu is very concise. It's only 13 cocktails, including the non-alcoholic ones. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I offer a little bit, you know, one cocktail for each mood that you might have, you know. So I have, you know, an spirit-forward cocktail like the mango martini, you mm -hmm. know. Or I have a spirit and down cocktail like the Negroni. I have, you know, a sour. So I wanted to create a highball that was incredibly crushable, mm -hmm. you know. So going into my, Mex not my favorite Mexican shop, but the shop, the Mexican shop that it's around the corner from my house. I it was really late that night and I just remember picking up this uh, concentrated juice. I wouldn't call it soda, but concentrated juice bottle that we, like that I remember growing up with. Yeah. Um, and kind of like tang, but in in yeah. juice format versus in powder. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this time was, um, you know, we are very, like there's access to so many fruits in Mexico, so we always have mango passion fruit. Uh, so I picked up guava, you know, and Ooh. yes, and I, like and I drank it, and I was like, wow, this will be so amazing on a highball, and it will be great if I can create something that is like, you know, that you'll just crave, you know, you feel that nice freshness of the soda, like that bubble and um, into a guava, but without making it cloudy. I wanted to make it like, you know, I wanted to take the color away and I wanted to still deliver on the punch of flavor, which would be a great surprise because in the presentation of my vodka soda, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's kind of, yeah, it kind of has this hay straw color, but you can see through the drink, yeah. you know, it has been clarified. So, uh, to that, you know, it started with the thought of how to, you know, um, take the most out of the guava and really deliver the guava, the guava, uh, the guava flavor in the drink. You know that it will be overwhelming and everywhere. You know, it will be just reminiscent of something to you. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, and then after that, you know, is it what's the best spirit that I was going to... At the beginning, I didn't even know that I was creating the vodka y soda. I was just looking for the best expression of the highball, right? Mm -hmm. That I could do. Um, and then uh, I started thinking of pisco, you know, something that probably will go well with that. Mm -hmm. 
And then I said, maybe not Pisco. And I have a really good friend who represents a really great brand. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to do it with vodka. And I'm just going to infuse uh, our uh, that vodka with uh, some peppers, you know. And I thought of some of the peppers that, you know, we have so many peppers in Mexico. And most of them are, you know, when you normally read the uh, the name of a pepper on a menu, you think that it, the only flavor profile that you will get from it, it's a spice. And it's, it's all measured on the level of a spice levels, you know. And for me, it is not always about the spice with Mexican peppers. It's about the depth of flavor, you know, and all these other characteristics that come through. So we infuse the vodka with guajillo peppers. We tend to have this brightness. Mm-hmm to it and then add a little bit of color, no heat on it. And also a little bit of pasilla peppers, which has this dry fruit quality that it's really, really rich. You feel like you're eating raisins almost when you're smelling them. Um, we don't toast them or anything. We just do a quick infusion for 30 minutes and then pull them all out. And, you know, you'll be surprised of how much color they leave. Um, so the next process was how I was going to take the most flavor out of a guava. And we started by clarifying a guava puree, just kind of taking it away from uh, David Arnold's book. Um, so we, yeah, so you're using what, like a centrifuge here or something or? Uh, no, actually, no? I don't have access to that equipment. I wish I had. But I mean, every, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the other way is doing it, uh, you know, breaking the, the, so I started with uh, the brand of, uh, of, of puree called Le Boyron, yep. which is a really... Uh, it's a brand that I really suggest to uh, to work with. These are the with. French ones? The French ones. And they come in like the rectangles exactly. that are kind of, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Great, great brand. Yeah. Very low sugar. In this case, for every kilogram of guava puree, there's like 3% of sugar. Oh, wow. You know, it's like low. You and they taste to... authentically oh, like the fruit, right? They, they don't they're... taste like fruit no. flavors there. No, no, yeah. no, no. They taste like the most pure form of fruit. So yeah. we started with that, you know, and then taking it um, to put in a little bit of pectinex into it to break the sugar salt. And then, um, so once we have that, we heat up uh, the contents and add a little bit of agar-agar to help us, you know, um, put a little bit of gelatin into the puree and maintain all of the, you know, all of the puree intact. And then that allows us just to strain just the pure juice Mm -hmm. out of it. Like through a coffee strainer kind of situation? Exactly. Yeah, we have like super bags, you know, because we go through so much. Yeah. You know, that we need to, the coffee strainers really, it wasn't doing it for me at the beginning. I was doing it with coffee strainers, like, (laughs) this is not going to work. And I was only like, you know, a hundred vodka sodas a day. Yeah. (laughs) A vodka soda. Wow. And so if, if if our folks listening at home here that, again, maybe don't have access to the fancy equipment, they can just Google what um, clarification of purees using agar, agar, and pectin. And yes. I'm sure there's tons online. You, you mentioned Dave Arnold there, who is yes. a leader in this field and this kind of stuff. But yes. I imagine people have taken that onto the internet and there's guides out there. Absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the people that I actually uh, follow and I'm friends with and, and they do, they're, you know, all open and you can always reach out to uh, is this, the, the Smokes. Um, uh, yeah. Either Mo or, or Juliet, they're both like super open about, you know, the techniques they use and how to teach other people, which are always, you know, in this industry, you'll think that everyone will be more competitive, but it's one of the things that I love the most about in this industry that everyone is so open about, you know, sharing and right. Yeah. 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 It's so, so lovely, you mm-hmm. know, so yeah, I mean, reach out to them or, 
you know, I can help you a thing or two too. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. So, and so you're clarifying the the guava puree there. But as you said, so does the drink get its slight color from the uh, chili pepper infusion there, or is it the both, both? From both. I mean, for the most part, you should be able to see through through the drink. You know, we create this you know effect of I'm I'm still getting somehow some somewhat like a simple version of a vodka soda right that should be your when you look at the drink of like you still don't know where the surprise is going to come it still looks fairly simple we yeah. do a nice pier you know that allows you to see through so we use ver- this very fine ice um from Okam- okamoto ice so you're able to see even through the ice you cannot even see it so you know that surprise element is still there the only thing that you see on the drink it's the the guava salt on the rim, and that's the only thing that changes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, when we had it, when I first made it, and uh, and I gave, I was doing a lot of my research at Katanakito because I still didn't have a bar built. I showed it to Masa, and Masa, it's always been such a, you know, presence in my life in every every possible way. So um, I, I I tasted it in home, I tasted him on it, and he said, Nacho, you should, because I, at that time I was still thinking of like, guava highball, you know, let's do it easy. Mm-hmm. And he said like, no, you shouldn't call it guava highball. You should call it vodka y soda, you know, easy. And then like at that moment I was like, yeah, done. No more questions asked. That's the whole purpose we're giving. And it takes a whole different, you know, storytelling you yeah. know that we're able to sit down here on a podcast <laughs> it's it's so interesting that you know oftentimes we've had folks talk on the show before about how difficult sometimes it is to come up with names or how names can be kind of arbitrary and like they don't really mean whatever or they don't have anything to do with the drink they're just what they were thinking at the time and yet to to your point and massa's suggestion there like that really adds an extra dimension to this drink just in its identity, but also probably mm-hmm. the way that people approach it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I love to just have that element of surprise, you yeah. know, and to give people that. And people never think too much of it. You know, we have to push on people ordering it because it's the, the one thing that, you know, most people kind of will steer away from yeah. it. It was like, no, I'm not going to have that. Or sometimes you see tables ordering three drinks that they really like, and then like, what should I have next? And yeah. then you go and say, you should have the vodka. So that really? They said to you, you know, so I like that, you know. Yeah. Which is exactly the experience I had, you know, at Super Bueno. I was yeah. like, start with the, you know, mango martini. Yeah. Amazing. And then, yeah, where do I go next? Or maybe have another drink. And then I'm like, okay, we want to pump the brakes a little bit here. Something lower ABV. Really? I'm having the vodka soda and bang. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you end up, you know, at the end of the night, just having three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing else that you ever want. <laughs> And another thing that I really like about this drink and this conversation, so earlier we're talking about how people would drink in vodka because of marketing, right? And it doesn't really have a lot of flavor or whatever. And we become more adventurous as a a drinking culture. But this drink doesn't work as well, I would say, with any other spirit. Like you mentioned Pisco before, but then you're changing something where Pisco has been produced to have its profile. Mm-hmm. Every spirit apart from vodka has been produced to have some kind of profile. Yeah. Yeah. Vodka is generally produced to be neutral, which makes yes. it perfect for this. Yes. It's like, you know, for anyone not knowing their purpose, but it's like that uh, blank canvas. You know, you still need that blank canvas, right, to start. And, you know, some of the vodkas do have like this flavor profile, but when put into all the other elements, 
it's pretty much like you have that blank canvas that you can create anything and add on flavors into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's still very, very, very solid foundation, you know? Nice. Of what the drink is. So that's the best way that I will put it, you mm-hmm. know, for me in this drink particularly. And, and do you want to name drop the, the vodka brand there? You said, you know, some, yes. one of your friends. Gre- Gregus. Gregus. <laughs> nice. Yes, 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 yes. Gregus. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, what I'll mention it already a couple of times is, you know, for me, the most important things in this uh, industry is the foundation of uh, of community, you know, and the people that I like to work with. And, you know, we're working with Gregus. Obviously, it's a brand that I really like and that has a fla- that, that flavor profile that I was looking for. But also, is who do I want to build a relationship with, you know? In this case, I already had a relationship with Maxim, mm-hmm. you know, yep. which is one of my most beloved friends. So it's like, I want to keep on seeing you every week. <laughs> 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 you know, like, I want to just continue to have this friendship as close as I can be. So if we can be partners on this, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> nice. And am I right in thinking Grey Goose might be a little higher price than for for a normal well vodka mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. is that is that mm-hmm. the case yeah yeah it, it is the case but it's not oh, it's like, not it's crazy not, expensive it's not cra- crazy expensive but you know it's somehow i i'm able to you know work out a cost with like you know buying a, a bulk of it so it helps that we're going through you know i i would say maybe 60 no maybe we're going to like a hundred liters wow. of the drink, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm able to buy in bulk. Yeah. Another thing too is like you're, you're, you're putting it, you're mixing it in something that is a cocktail rather than just a very simple one-on-one. So you're able to charge a little bit more for that exactly. and, you know, make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have, you know, the Okamoto ice and the, nice. you know, homemade, uh, you know, salt and, you know, the process itself is, you know, it takes us, it, it's labor. It takes six mm-hmm. hours. You know, I read uh, a comment the other day on the Google reviews. I was like, I don't think that the cocktails they re- they reflect the price. I was like, well, <laughs> you know, a lot of the times a vodka so might not reflect that that uh, price, but the labor, if you don't know what goes into the back end of it, it's it's very justified, you know, I think. And also, I, I, I'd like to go out there and say something that you would never, as, as such a wonderful person that you are and friendly person and also bar owner, like, <laughs> Some people are just fucking tight. People need to like. People need to realize. People don't have any idea the amount of work and stuff that goes into their cocktails, and just how much we should be paying for things. Arguably, we never pay enough for drinks, right? Yes. We've spoken about this on different episodes, but yes. people need to chill out and just like, if you have a complaint, just shut up. Just don't come back. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. It annoys me to hear that because yeah. it's clear for anyone who has an understanding. We're talking about it here, the amount of work that goes into that yes. cocktail. People need to, yeah, yeah people need to yeah. realize that. And what it took us to get there. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's also like an added value. <laughs> I think back to, you know, like 2020 when people were tipping 40, 50% on delivery. And I'm like, yeah, the, how, how short that lasted, I would imagine. Yeah. People, you, know, <laughs> like, like, you know, people cared for a while. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a shame. Um for the, I, I want to rewind a little bit just to the infusion process here. Just again, so if folks want to make this at home, you spoke about this sharing of, of um, you know, techniques and processes. So we appreciate that on this show. Um, those, so those peppers, they would be dried. They're the dried yes. ones, right? Yeah. And they're like very dark in color. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, um, the the wajillo pepper. I can't remember. I think wajillo it's an Anaheim pepper. On, mm-hmm. So every single pepper in Mexico has this f- name when it's fresh. 
Got and then it. a different name once it's dried. So if I'm not mistaken, the guajillo, it's an Anaheim pepper. And I cannot remember what's a pasilla when it's, uh, when it's fresh. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so all of those are peppers that uh, are left in the sun to dry. So you'd pick them up and also... I know this because my grandma used to grow poblano peppers and I never thought they would be <laughs> useful at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember uh, I worked some of some of the times just for fun, just work on the fields and pick up some poblano peppers. You'll have this big basket on the back of your uh, back, uh, big, big basket, and you just collect uh, collect the peppers, kind of like pull them aside like fruit and then just throw them on the back of the basket, you know. And then what they do is they just lay them down on like, on, uh, on, like on the sun just to dry and then uh, for a poblano pepper you end up with an ancho pepper mm -hmm. right so um, they like everything that you let you know in the sun or anywhere, anywhere to dry kind of intensifies the flavor you know the sugars get concentrated mm -hmm. um, and then for the peppers particularly you end up with this super deep intensity in different levels you know some of them have like cacao nuts nice. you know a lot of dry fruit certainly you know i don't know like you know the wajillo is so bright and you know do doesn't offer any spice but at the same time has this i cannot put it on one word but has all all, all this intensity and brightness in color and in flavor profile as well that goes nice. well so we do pasilla a little bit of pasilla mainly wajillo mm -hmm. And for that one, the peppers, because they're dry, they're like the tea. They're going to, you know, once you step them in, they're going to leave away all the color. Yeah. And we don't want to end up with too much heat to it. So we do clean the peppers. Mm -hmm. So you're you know, taking out the seeds. Taking out the seeds, the seed them, the vein them, mm -hmm. and then put them into this quick infusion, pull them out, and then just strain it, mm -hmm. you know. And then you end up like that is actually kind of a brown color, you know, what you end up with. And... You know, you end up having kind of a little bit of heat, but I don't know if you have this weird sensation. The, the first time that it happened to me is because when I try Peruvian food and I try the ají amarillo, which is very similar mm. to a habanero pepper, mm -hmm. and I bite it, and the first thing that comes into it is the same flora profile that you have with the habanero. With the habanero, you will expect it will rush back to the back of your tongue and then take over with the spice, right? <laughs> yeah. The ají, no. The ají was just like that floral, beautiful round out and then we'll just dissipate and wow. you're like wait what yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait this is not spicy <laughs> um so tasty yeah t so tasty so you uh, I, I want that you know mm -hmm. kind of to get that same impression like oh this is gonna be hot but actually it's not you know it's just able to offer take those elements those floral elements mm -hmm. that we have and if I were doing this in, in much lower quantities than you would be at the bar, but say I have one full bottle of vodka, mm. roughly what quantity am I looking at for the, the, the peppers? There? I will do like maybe three guajillo peppers, one pasilla. Mm -hmm. That's know, it. That's it. Maybe half of a pasilla because mm -hmm. that pasilla pepper is re it's more spicy. You yeah. know, it's usually in the mole that we make at the Super Bueno, not in all the moles because all the moles have different quantities of peppers, but the mole negro that is that comes from Oaxaca, uh, my chef says that it's the main ingredient. You know, so we were getting at the beginning, he was so, this is something that people don't think about, right, as well, but it's so cool to see someone like him really caring about the product that he's about to put out and um, and talk about the peppers we were getting at the beginning. It was like, these are too old for peppers. 
and you cannot have all pasilla peppers on the mole because it's the main ingredient. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what you're relying on the flavor. And we're going to have all peppers. It's not going to be good. Wow. So just make sure you're getting the freshest, freshest peppers. So can. they still feel like kind of soft, rubbery, yep. you know, they shouldn't feel hard. You know, those are the ones mm -hmm. that you want. Yeah. Nice. And then how long would the infusion be for that? You mentioned it's kind of quick. Yeah. 30 minutes. 30 for, minutes? Yeah. Just in and out. Just let them steep. Make sure they, they get an all your liquid and mm -hmm. then just pull them out. And that doesn't require more than a, you know, chinois strainer just mm -hmm. to get them out. Fantastic. Yes. We mentioned the puree and the clarification earlier. People can Google that or people can reach out to learn a little yes. bit more about that technique. So those are our base ingredients. Now, can you talk us through how, if you're making this drink from scratch with those, can you talk us through that process and the uh, quantities? Yeah. Um, I mean, I use roughly, you know, I do these, uh, I do I do forced carbonation. Okay. You know, so you do need to have a, a gas tank. Uh, and those are easy to get and they're, you know, I mean, gas is kind of expensive nowadays as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're talking about cost, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And then, um, yeah, so I build the drink for, you know, I, I, I build it for like large quantities. But if I was to be at home and just prepare it for one or two people, you know, I would probably do like an ounce and a half to an ounce and a quarter of vodka. Mm -hmm. And then I also, on that drink, I use a little bit of falernum because I like the spice quality Ooh. of it. And I just use a Velvet Falernum, um, the one that you can find in liquor shop, I think. Um, and then the rest of it is just the guava, the guava water that we call that. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot to mention that we do, uh, you know, at the end you end up with the water, like guava water after you clarify it. To that, we bring it up to like 15 bricks of sugar. So we do, you know, you can do it by taste as well if you're mm -hmm. at home. You don't need to have a... Refractometer, which is that, what it's called, which measures measures the, the mm -hmm. sugar levels. Uh, you can just do it by taste. You know, you if you taste it, how how sweet do you want it? And then we also, you know, because I didn't want to add any lemon or lime to you know to change the uh, the color of the drink, that will be you know detrimental to what we were doing at the beginning. Uh, I add a little bit of malik and a little bit of um, oh tartaric 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 okay. tartaric acid. You know, and about, you know, I do six grams to seven grams, you know, of uh, of each of them mm -hmm. per kilogram, you know, so you can do the math at home. <laughs> and so that the clarified puree, is that therefore, are you adding any water to that? Because I would imagine it'd be quite concentrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You add for about, you know, if you're starting with that uh, kilogram of uh, of. Uh, puree of puree mm -hmm. you know you add so right when you so the first step is just on a container you you put the the puree with pectinus let the pectinus do its work which takes anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes after that you add the water which is roughly about I would say for a liter maybe 300 milliliters of water to 200 anywhere in between there uh, depending on how much flavor you want to extract. That's basically what it does. Um, and then you add the agar-agar, and then you bring it to a boil. Mm -hmm. Once it's uh, brought to a boil, the agar-agar kind of starts breaking out and starts, you know, you can start seeing all the gelatin doing its work, and then start straining it, you know. And then you pass it through the super bag or coffee filters, whatever you have at home, and the more times you pass it, the the, the 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 clearer that the drink will be. It's like doing a milk punch. Mm -hmm. You know, the first few times that you're straining it, you're relying on kind of that fat on the milk and in this kind of all the 
puree to start kind of filtering and filtering and filtering until it becomes clear. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, another thing about cost there as well, those Libois on the, they're, they're, they're pretty pricey too as well. It's, yeah. it's a quality product as yes. we mentioned yes. up top yes. there, but yeah. Absolutely. Pectinex is so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tartaric acid, you're like, just buy all these chemicals, you know, they're yeah. out there and you're like, yeah, they're cool. There's like, there's like <laughs> $80 a bottle of Pectinex, you know. So if I were going to, and this is kind of putting you on the spot here, but if I have my infused vodka, an ounce and a half here, I've, I've done my clarification here on the guava. I, I'm going to leave it up to folks whether they want to do the acid adjusting at home or not, because, you know, you, but definitely see your point, see where you're going with that. Yeah. If I were to use that as an ingredient and then can I just top that up with soda or is this just one of the ones where it's like, guys, I'm sorry, you got to come to Super Bueno to have it. <laughs> uh, no, you can do it at home. I mean, it's mm -hmm. fairly like simple and I encourage everyone to do it because once you're like, you're looking at another flavor profile that is like completely different, you can mm -hmm. really surprise your your guests, you know. Mm -hmm. Here in New York, we have amazing stores like, you know, Calustens. Yep. You know, they have it all. Yeah, they <laughs> <You> really <know>? do. <laughs> they do. So you can, it's easily done, you know. Mm -hmm. If you're into it, you know, if you, you should totally go the extra step, mm -hmm. you know, it's worth it. And talk to us about this guava salt that you mentioned beforehand. Too. Yeah, so we use some of the same puree over Maldon salt. You know, I love sea salt. Yeah. <laughs> I hate kosher salt. <laughs> I'm wrong about it, but just not my salt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I use uh, Maldon salt and then, you know, mix it with a couple, uh, two different purees, one of them um, just for color, the other one for more flavor. And then um, you could, at home, you can just dry it. You know, over it takes like two days. Just make sure everything is mixed all well together. And then, but if you're a little bit in a rush, you can put it on the oven at 250 uh, Fahrenheit every five minutes, pulling it out, mixing it all in until everything dries out. Huh. Yeah. And then you end up with this beautiful pink guava, you know, almost kind of Himalayan sea salt or, nice. what, or Hawaiian sea salt. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Yes. So you, so what? You take the puree, what? You melt it. it the puree becomes liquid because it's room temperature yeah. eventually, right? Yeah. And yeah. then you're mixing that with salt and then you're just drying that drying out. Drying out. Huh. Yeah, we do. I mean, if we had, like, this drink doesn't get fresh wabas, but it's a bit puree. But say for, you can do this with anything. Uh, so we do it for another slushy drink called Adobada Bam Bam. Uh, and for that, we are using the, the pineapple as a whole, right? So we were thinking of using every element of the pineapple and we were left with the pulp. So all the pulp that you get from those juicers, from the verbal juicers, you know, we'll just collect it and mix it with Maldon salt, taking the big parts out of it and drying them, you know. But you can start with anything, you know, if you juice the oranges, you know. Wow. I mean, for oranges and citrus, it should be just pills. Yeah. You know, like just zests mm -hmm. and then let it dry. Huh. Uh, but for other fruits, you should totally experiment. And they're like so, they're like so flavorful. Our, our salt is a smoked Maldon salt and, and pineapple which is great. You know, both the smoking of the pineapple is like everywhere on the drink. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, this is probably the world's most complex vodka soda and, and definitely the most delicious I've ever tried. Thank um, you. This might be the first episode of this podcast too, where I, I'm not sure I've ever had a vodka soda in my life, a classic vodka soda. <laughs> not knowingly, this might be the first one where I've not tasted the original cocktail, but I've definitely tasted your vodka soda. And I want to say, Congratulations again on that one. Uh, Nacho, any final thoughts on that before we move into our five weekly recurring questions? No, come and try one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss it. <laughs> come and say hello. Yeah, yes. Definitely. 
All right, here we go. We're going to start with question number one for you, Nacho. This one is, I feel like this one might be easy for you. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Agave spirits, you know. Um, yeah, when doing a Mexican-American bar, I felt like, you know, having a good representation of tequila mezcal or, or even just overall Mex- Mexican spirits, you know. That's probably what's going to... We're starting right now with, aga- with agave spirits, but it's probably going to morph into featuring more kind of, you know, destillates that aren't so well known. Like mm-hmm. we're, I'm, lean, I'm going to start leaning in into a lot of these fruit destillates that mm-hmm. are coming from Mexico. They're not Eudavis, you know, they're just done in a very particular, different way. That in Mexico, for the mango martini, I have a mango destillate from the same people that do Tospa that mm-hmm. I have the pleasure of working with. Incredible, incredible product. So if you come to Super Bueno, ask for that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it it's really exciting. I think I might have had a little taste of it there, but it's it's really exciting and yes. yeah, those spirits and starting to see that too. I think it's wonderful and Mexican whiskey too, by the way, as well. Like yes, yes, wow, some you know, incredible products out there. Talking about diversity and what you know, our bar tries to do is just often that you know, other option to see all these other different things. Mm-hmm. I think we can do it. Nice. All right, question number two here. Which ingredient or tool do you believe to be the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? This, I'm going to have a hard time answering. <laughs> no, but, you know, I look at bars very differently than most people. I look at bars as a whole experience. So I look at about ambience, you know. So when I'm thinking tools that you could have at your bar is the lighting and the music, you know, that offer an ambience and a sense of, you know, belonging to or, or being feeling great at space is those two things. And people don't normally think about things like that behind the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of, unfortunately, I don't, you know, think about, I like, I don't think about tools as just that necessary, but I think about the whole experience. And for me, the ones that I can reflect always, you know, and change the mood of my bar, like, and they're more effective are those two things. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you here. Um, so obviously you have the pretty iconic now lights there at Super Bueno that are similar to the ones that were at Ghost Donkey back in the day, similar well, in design or? This this is actually something that started uh, the daily that okay. Massa and I adopted from Linden Pride, from Dante. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were still like kind of, you know, up and coming bartenders and we had the opportunity to bartend together at the daily in Elizabeth Street in uh, Nolita. Mm-hmm. And Lyndon was our uh, our boss. He was the director of operations for uh, Avroco Hospitality Group. Lyndon had this, you know, I'm going to mention him uh, in, in another question because I looked at that. And um, But one of the things that he did is to just come to a bar and swing the lights for us. <laughs> and, and then Mas and I, you know, like, were very observant always of our bars and our environments. And that's, I think, what sets us apart from a lot of people, we're always looking at what's the reaction of the people. And, you know, we just adopted that, mm-hmm. you know, and any moment of excitement, we could bring that little tool of swinging the lights and <laughs> in the how people get affected by it is like another level of excitement. It's like the party has started or yeah. like, whoa, I'm going to let loose, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, in, in a way, because it's like the lights, it's always like a standing fixture that must not move. 
And that, uh, you know, signals alone to, okay, we're going to all let loose. (laughs) (laughs) I find it so refreshing that that's what you're thinking about when, you know, you're you're opening this bar, designing this bar. And that's what you're thinking about when it comes to lighting, because I know for so many people these days, what they're thinking about instead is, how is this going to make the drinks look on Instagram when people are taking photos of them? Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. I've been to bars that have got that balance right, where it's like, actually, it doesn't look aggressively light, but the drinks look great. But like, who cares? You're there to drink. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking more about what people are doing with the lights than yeah. how the Instagram photos are coming I out. I probably can like have that intent. Indefinitely, you know, everything like... It's the challenge for me. I was like, mm, maybe I can do both now that you mention it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, honestly, I'm going to be like you, you know, comes 11 o'clock, I'm going to lose anything and I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to, you know, make it whatever it feels, you know, mm. for me that the the, the room needs. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah, I like that. I love that. <laughs> um, question number three here for you. What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? I, uh, this is where, you know, Lynn also came into play. And I will say that it is a piece of uh, advice that, you know, you could I, I have transformed it and, and, you know, make it kind of a life motto almost, you know. It's just be yourself, you know. It really is, uh, you know, just you have, you know, wh- whoever you are, you have amazing qualities, you know, and... Uh, and you just, you know, what I try to do, if anything, you know, working with my staff, it's creating a space where they can really be themselves. I don't want, uh, while my bar, it's a very high energy, high pace bar, it's not a definition of, you know, a personality, what a type of person you can be. You can be anyone you want. We just want you to be hospitality forward, but anything that you can bring in. You, you should be. And then, you know, became a life motto in the sense that, you know, not every bar is right for me to work in. You know, a lot of the times as young bartenders, you hear an amazing name that's, you know, there is the number, whatever bar in the world, top, yeah. top notch. Um, and then you, you really follow that drive of wanting to work on that environment. But a lot of the times, what we don't know is like not every bar fits our personality and not every, you know, partnership is right. So you have to ask yourself, you have to know yourself and have to be who you are and then not compromise that, you know, mm-hmm. and just work at the places that you really feel that you can be your true self and, mm-hmm. and shine. You know, Is that advice that was easy for you to adopt early on or is that something that because because clearly that's something that's very much part of your personality right like you are yourself yeah is that something that was easy early on or not it's something you learned over time i mean it was easy for me to see what the power of that had because i was given the opportunity of uh, working at the daily where very much i was left you know, it was a bar that didn't have a, ma- a bar manager. I was the bar- head bartender, uh, but didn't have any other management around. So I could see firsthand what I could create with that. And I just saw the power of it. And it's something that I have been able to kind of build upon and build upon and build upon, like, you know, a character, mm-hmm. you know, and believe more and more. And it's something that, you know, I still... I haven't learned at all, but, you know, opening a new bar, having this, stepping out of the bar, 
being more present on the floor, you know, build upon different character, you know, mm-hmm. but it's still true to that element of who I really am. And I'm someone that, you know, is genuinely happy to serve people, mm-hmm. you know, and I put that forward. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, to return to something I was saying at the beginning there, just, you know, Super Bueno and how it's been received already in this city, it, that definitely shines through. And, and you get the sense being there that people aren't there because this is a new bar that's opened and then they have to be seen here. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I got to go here to show that I'm going there. People feel like they're there because they want to be there. And there's a distinction between that. And I think it comes down to that style of service that that you offer there and that philosophy. Yeah, I think Japanese call it selfless hospitality. Mm-hmm. You know, you're able to take yourself out of equation and, and, you know, just offer something that works for the common well-being, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the whole mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. you know, is just to have a space where everyone can, you know, be happy. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal advice. Be yourself. It's very, very easy, but also very difficult, I feel like, to, I don't know, sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, a lot of the times you're, like I said, you know, faced with this, like, should I take this job? And, you know, just true, be true to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that if you think, if you have this gut feeling, just go for it. If not, don't, don't force it. <laughs> nice. All right, Nacho, second last question for you here today. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> you know, uh, Katana Kitten, you know, uh, there's uh, very few people in this industry and in my life that I love the way that I love Masa and what he creates and not only him, but what every single member of his staff reflects, you know, be talking about people like uh, Aveo, you know, so, such a good, kind human. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordi is incredible, like, you know, Armando, mm-hmm. you know, all, Neil, everyone, like everyone, just such a kind, beautiful people all around. So mm-hmm. I'm instantly happy when I'm there and I feel at home. So nice. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This may or may not be more difficult for you. The last question of today. If you could only drink one last cocktail in your life, what would you order or make? <laughs> I was trying to think about this one. One last cocktail. No, this is this is tough. Um, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna settle with like just having a margarita. Nice. <laughs> just be on brand here, <laughs> you know, some Mexican. You know, I have fallen out of the stereotype too many times. <laughs> so let's just be. Nah, know. I yeah. mean, yeah, I love that drink. You know, it can you can go wrong. You know, if yeah. I'm gonna go back, uh, I'm gonna go out with like you know having something refreshing and bright that you know generally makes me happy. Is I generally relate margaritas to a happy moment. Yeah. So, you know. It's the world's <laughs> most favorite cocktail for a reason. You know what <laughs> there I mean? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Nacho, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you in the studio. Uh, the vodka soda, iconic drink. Thank you. Vodka soda too for its other part. <laughs> but the vodka yes. soda, yes. real success. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun opportunity to be here. And I, like I said, I'm always thankful for the for the space. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I know what you're thinking, folks. That was a lot of info. But here's the good news. Every single episode of Vinepair's Cocktail College is published on vinepair.com as a transcript. So you can check it out there all over again. If you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. 
And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded in New York City and produced by myself and Darby Seaside, who also composed our awesome theme music. Just give that a listen, folks. I also want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team, especially co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon, editor-in-chief Joanna Sherino, and art director Daniel Grinberg, who designed our killer logo. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>